Okay, so um, picking up from, from last week, um, Steve spoke on Jesus coming to fulfill the law. Uh, we looked at verses 17 in chapter 5, verses 17 through to 32, at the fulfillment of the law, murder, adultery, and divorce. And um, Steve asked the questions, does Jesus undermine the law of Moses or fulfill it? Is Pharisaic righteousness, um, if it's not the answer, then what is? And does it mean that the, citizen has no, the kingdom has no citizens? And we saw that Jesus did fulfill the law, um, that, uh, that God judges the heart, and it's a changed heart that's required, and that uh, the changed heart is, is evidence that God has brought us into the kingdom. And uh, on our own, we can't be citizens of the kingdom, but by grace, we can, so... Um, God has made a way for this, this to happen, and we need this changed heart. Um, so I'm picking up now from verse 33, which carries on from there. And um, we have three sections, uh, one regarding oaths, a section which is headed an eye for an eye, and then love your enemies. So from verse 33, we'll look at these three other other areas where Jesus corrects the uh, the disciples' understanding of the law. Um, and he teaches them that the requirement is to be perfect as their father is perfect. So verse 48, at the end of chapter 5, he says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And this is uh, quite a, a big thing to say. I mean, we probably all feel some amount of conviction when we, when we read this. And the point is made clear from this chapter that, um, that our heart needs to be changed, not just our, our actions. And um, I'm sure that we all still feel that our, our hearts need some changing, even if we've been um, a Christian a long time and been following uh, Jesus for a long time. We, we still feel that there are many things in our, in our hearts that we would like to change. And uh, I think the, the challenge here that, uh, that Jesus presents in chapter 5 is very similar to um, the challenge presented to the, the rich young ruler. So I just wanted to read that passage. Uh, it's in Matthew 19 um, from verse 16. So page 986, Matthew chapter 19. And then from verse 16, it says, Now a man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? the man inquired. Jesus replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honour your father and mother, and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect... Go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, because he had great wealth. So we'll leave it there. So, uh, this man had kept the law. He'd done everything that the law required, and he wanted to get an assurance that he was going to be part of the kingdom. And to his sadness, Jesus tells him that um, it isn't enough just to keep the law, that he has to give up everything and follow Jesus. And this is what Jesus is saying 
here as well that uh, we need we need to change heart. We need to follow the example of Jesus, and we need to be perfect as our our heavenly Father is perfect. So what I want to uh, say tonight, really, is that we shouldn't be like the rich young ruler. Um, we need to um, we need to listen to Jesus. We need to follow Jesus. So my first point this evening is what does it mean to be perfect? So when he says here, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, what does that actually mean? So um, I'd start by just looking at what the, the Greek word means, and it's um, the Greek word teleos. It's the same word that's used in the parable of the rich young ruler. And it means uh, consummated goal or completed by going through a necessary process or, or fully matured. So it's... Um, um, the, kind of a similar to the idea of um, if you grow a plant, so if you're growing one of Martin's tomato plants and you treat it right and you do all the right things and give it the right water and light and you should get your fully grown, fully matured, proper tomato plant at the end of it. Um, I've failed to do this in the past, <laughs> but I believe it's possible. Um, so this is, this is kind of the idea, the, the idea of being fully matured into being what you're supposed to be. And um, the exa- examples of the, the word used, so as I said in Matthew 19, the rich young ruler, uh, when Jesus says that he needs to be perfect, this is the same thing that he's saying, that by selling his possessions and following Jesus, this is the, the changed heart, the perfecting of him, the, 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 the full change that's required to um, be part of the kingdom. And another example is in 1 Corinthians 2.6, which I'll just turn to and read. And this is Paul talking to the, the church. Uh, chapter 2, verse 6, he says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So here, when he says that... Um, speaks a message of wisdom among the mature. This, is, again, is the same word that is used. This is the um, teleos, which is perfect. So he's describing here these people in the, the church in Corinth that they have, um, they have become mature, full-grown. This is what they're supposed to be, and he speaks the word wisdom to them. So here we have uh, in the next phrase in this verse... Verse 48 again says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus teaches the disciples how to be perfect um, in this chapter and then says that uh, this is what the Father is like. So some of these uh, areas that we've looked at, so God doesn't lie. when it says an eye for an eye, talking about retaliation, God does not retaliate in the way that um, uh, the human sinful heart does. And God does love his enemies. And it says in Romans 5.10, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So while we were still enemies, this is God loving, loving his enemies. And I also wanted to point out, uh, it refers to the Heavenly Father as your Heavenly Father. So this is um, Jesus talking to his disciples and saying, this is your 
Heavenly Father. So there's a, this relationship. Um, it doesn't say that you must be perfect for God in heaven to become your Heavenly Father. Um, and I think that's, that's very important that um, by having this, this relationship, by um, the grace of God coming to us and saving us and giving us that changed heart, we're then enabled through the power of the Spirit to become um, this um, full-grown, matured, perfected person. And it doesn't mean that we will be out without sin because we know that uh, we will always have to uh, fight sin in our lives until, until we reach heaven. But um, I think the, the sense of this is that there is a, a, an overcoming and a sincerity in our hearts and a, a real love for, for God um, in, this, in this perfecting. And this is what Jesus is teaching here in chapter 5. So I think it's just worth saying the, the, the ideal way of things is that fathers would teach their children and um, they teach them from, uh, from when they're born. And over time they become more obedient, hopefully, uh, as they get older until they're full grown and then their fathers don't need to teach them anymore because they have matured. Uh, fathers don't abandon their children because their children fail. Or at least that, that shouldn't happen. And fathers don't only take on the responsibility of a father after their children have matured. And so um, it's not the case that uh, a child has to grow up, become fully matured to then um, win the approval of or to uh, attain the, um, the father that they always, always needed. Uh, the father relationship is there from the beginning and it's something that they have which helps them to mature. So this is, this is the picture that God has given us here. And um, it's um, a, a very comforting and an amazing picture, I think, that uh, God uh, shows himself to us as a father and that we can um, put our faith and our trust in that, that relationship we have. So we look at verse 48. It says we must be perfect. And uh, we must come to Jesus through the poverty of the Beatitudes. So in taking this in the context of the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, we read in chapter 5 that um, at the very start in verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. So we need to come to God uh, beginning in this place. And we, uh, we must trust God as our Father and not as a, as a taskmaster or a, a cold ruler who we need to appease or, or win his approval. And we must be given a new heart, and it has to be given to us. It's not something that we can, we can do ourselves. So we shouldn't be like the rich young ruler who saw the perfection required and went away sorrowful. We should come to Jesus with humility, come with empty hands, um, and be looking to the, the goodness um, and the, the grace that he shows. So point number one, We've looked at what being perfect is in the context of, of this sermon here. And point number two, how does Jesus apply this? So uh, following on from last week, Steve looked at anger, lust and divorce, as we see earlier in the chapter. And from uh, where I picked up in 33, we have um, three more areas on, on oaths, on retaliation 
and on loving your enemies. So I think when, when Jesus addressed this uh, issue of oaths, um, there was a, a particular culture of people making oaths. Now, I, I don't know of anyone who's really made an oath. Um, I know when I was growing up that some of the kids I used to play with would always swear on their mum's life if they wanted to make a, uh, a point or try and get people to believe what they were saying. That was because of their unreliability, that you couldn't take their word for, for anything. And I think, I think that's really the point. It's, it's to do with integrity. So there's nothing um, fundamentally wrong with making an oath, but it says in Numbers 30, verse 2, which I think this is where Jesus quotes from. He says, this is what the Lord commands. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath uh, to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. And so making oaths was part of um, the the Jewish culture, but it had become um, almost a a caricature. People were making oaths and, and not keeping them. And Jesus is saying that uh, we need to have integrity. God is aware of everything that we say, and we don't need an oath to make it uh, more or less true. And so it's not so much that we should avoid oaths altogether, but that we should tell the truth um, so people don't need to ask us to swear an oath. They can, they can take our word for it. When we say we're going to do something, we will do it, and, and it's believed. Uh, so this is the, the character that, that Jesus is saying that we should, we should have as Christians, that we... Uh, we have integrity, we can be people who are uh, believed and trusted in what we say. Then in verse um, 38, it uh, talks about retaliation. And this is, this is a big subject um, when I was thinking about it. And I'm not going to say everything there is to say. Um, we could probably still be here next week talking about it. But uh, verse 38 says, You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist the evil person. So from the very start, this is very, very counterintuitive, the idea that uh, there is an evil person and you're not, you're not going to resist them. And um, I think it's worth saying that this is um, specific to individuals, so this doesn't really apply to, to governments or to law enforcement, that um, the... Um, the way that Jesus is, is teaching us to act um, is that we, we uh, take um, some level of, of abuse from people. It says here that if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. So if somebody strikes you on one cheek, you turn your cheek and he strikes you again. And um, it's this kind of uh, attitude where we, we don't want to see... Um, or we don't insist on seeing justice for ourselves, uh, that we can, um, we can take the, uh, this abuse from somebody without having to see, you know, we must see our justice done. And it's, it's a very hard thing, a very um, difficult thing, because we need, need a lot of wisdom to, to know how to apply this in, in many situations. Um, it doesn't mean that we just accept abuse in every situation, um, there are many, many situations where people are abused uh, emotionally and physically and, and we, justice should be done. And pe- people shouldn't just live in these situations. So it needs, it needs a lot of wisdom to, to really understand how do we react when people, um, people do do things to us which we, where we feel like we need, to, we need to retaliate. 
but uh, where possible we should live peaceably and where possible we should de-escalate situations that we, we come across. If somebody uh, snaps at us, the temptation is just to snap back, but I think um, the, the Christian heart and the Christian attitude is that we, um, we respond gently and uh, in a way that um, shows that we, we are concerned for the, for the other person. And as the passage says, sometimes this means you end up getting slapped twice. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a very hard thing to, um, to accept, I think, that we are going to live a life where people will do things to harm us and, and we won't retaliate. But this is the character that, the character that Jesus has shown us to, to emulate. And it says in the Beatitudes... Just uh, a few page back. It said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. So here again, right at the start of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is setting this um, description of the the heart of the the Christian, that the blessed are the peacemakers. And then the the next couple of verses are slightly different, and and more more talking about being compelled to do things or having um, our generosity abused. So it says here, if somebody wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if somebody forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So if someone compels you to give time and money, we should give it and we should, um, we should be generous in, with our time and money, but uh, not foolish in how we, how we do that. And so... I think very broadly, um, I think uh, if somebody is lazy and they're trying to get us to do things, I don't think we're obliged to, to do that. I think Thessalonians 3.10 says the one who is unwilling to work should not eat. And so if, if people are being lazy and they're expecting other people to do things for them, then I don't think we're obliged to, um, to be constantly giving. Um, or where giving money will, will harm people. So if we know people are um, abusing the, the money or the generosity with, um, I mean, examples of buying drink and drugs as we, as we face these situations quite often uh, with people asking for money. Um, this, is, this is actually harming them, and so it's very difficult, but um, it's not a, a wise, wise way to give money if we know people are abusing it. And uh, people who don't need it. So some people just, just like to get something... Um, but the, the picture that God has given us, uh, if, we, if we read the Beatitudes and say by faith that, there is, that this is something that we're striving for, um, that God in heaven is our Father, um, that um, we have a, a heart that is generous, we have a heart that wants to give, and a heart that um, wants to show and share the love of Christ. Um, so should we, not, we should not hold back in giving uh, where there is a real need and we should be willing to let um, our, our generosity be abused. Um, not to say that if we know it's going to be abused, we'll, um, we'll just let it happen, but we, we take the risk that uh, we don't know in every situation uh, the, the sincerity of the request, but um, we, we allow ourselves to... Um, to be open to having our, our generosity um, abused in some way. And I don't imagine anyone will get to heaven 
And Jesus will say to them, you know, you were very shrewd down there. Uh, all those people asking you for money and time. Um, and you didn't, you didn't give much away. Good job. Uh, I, it's not, it's not the, the Christ that we see in the Bible. And so um, there, will, there will be times where we, where we give our time and energy and our money and, and don't see any, any good come from it. But um, this, is, this is the character. This is the heart that, that God has, um, has shared with us. And so we need a lot of wisdom in, in all these situations. Every situation is different. And we won't have time to weigh up the situation and to try and make a, a well-informed decision. But, so we give where there is a need. And then this last section um, about loving your enemies. And I think we're very good in, in this country about not having enemies. And um, people tend to get on fairly well, whatever walk of life you're in. So... Um, yeah, we don't, we don't have a lot of enemies, I don't think, but people are still persecuted. So people in other countries certainly are, are persecuted um, by uh, oppressive groups, from other religious groups, from communist governments, um, those in authority. You could be persecuted by your boss. Um, and so we, we, we pray for those who persecute us, even if we wouldn't um, necessarily call them our enemies, there is a, uh, a, um, an antagonistic relationship in some way uh, with, with persecution. And so this is the love that God has shown us in, in loving us as his enemies when we, we didn't always walk with the Lord. We had hearts which were um, sinful and uh, he's rescued us from sin and death um, just purely by his grace um, and uh, he shows his, his common grace, it says, to all, um, the righteous and the unrighteous, um, which, is, which is amazing, that he causes the sun to rise on evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Um, and so he, God is very uh, liberal with the, the love and the, the kindness he shows to people. And Jesus says if, if all we ever did was show love to people that we liked, they would be acting no different to the world, uh, which is quite a challenge when um, you can go maybe several days, maybe longer, without um, seeing anyone that you don't like. And so you show kindness to all the people you see because you surround yourself with people you like. And then uh, this is a, a real challenge because when was the last time we showed kindness to somebody we didn't like or somebody who didn't like us? And it is, it is a challenging, challenging question. Um, but again, it's at the beginning of this sermon, he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we shouldn't be like the rich young ruler who was relying on the law to keep himself right with God. But we should go beyond that and see what does God really um, want from us? What, what heart, what attitude should we have um, that will really bring glory to God. So point number one, just to recap, we've looked at um, what being perfect is in the context of this, this chapter, and point two, how Jesus applied this in these three examples specifically. And point three, how do we apply this to our life? So it's all very well, we've got these three examples that we can, that we can look at, but um, in every area of our life where... Uh, we couldn't possibly expect to um, 
to have every single case uh, explained by Jesus in, in a single book because there there's too many uh, facets to our life, uh, too many different situations. So how do we apply these principles to our whole lives? So we need to go beyond what the law says. So the law is a guide, but Jesus is saying here that um, our hearts should be changed um, and we should go uh, beyond the law. The law is, is uh, almost a, a shadow of the, the real thing. So the law was given for the benefit of Israel, but it wasn't enough to save them. And he says to the, the rich young ruler, give all that you have and follow. Um, so it's a big, a big um, step change from keeping these, these laws to giving up everything and following Jesus. Um, and it just made me think, how many times have we, have we gone away sad because we aren't willing to give something up and follow Christ? And there are um, uh, always, always challenges that we will face in life. And it's not a one-time decision. This is something we need to decide to do every single day, to, um, to give up everything in this life and follow Christ. And so examples of this could be the way we spend our money. We should spend our money in a way that shows the world that money isn't the most important thing that God is. We should spend our time in a way that shows the world that our time isn't the most important thing um, but God is. We should show people that work isn't the most important thing to us, but that God is. Um, even the way we serve, uh, we should serve in a way that shows people we're serving God, not serving to get approval. So in, in all things, all situations in our life, we should be doing things to show people that uh, the glory of God, the, um, uh, the love that we have for God is the most important thing for us. And Jesus sums this up in two commandments. Uh, in verse, uh, sorry, Matthew 22, verse 37. Matthew 22:37, Jesus says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it: love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So this is very similar." It's, um, a kind of expanded statement of uh, something else Jesus says at the end of this Sermon on the Mount where he says in 7.12 so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you and this sums up the law and the prophets so this is, is really the summary um, of, of the change that, that we need to see in our hearts that we love others um, and we love God and so we've kind of come uh, full circle to the beginning of the message um, where we began with the Beatitudes um, that the only way that we can um, fulfill these commandments these two, two commandments to, to love God and to love others is to go back and begin um, at the Beatitudes where it says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are, are, those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so we start there, we start with... Um, 
coming to God in, in humility, uh, acknowledging our sin, and, and looking to him to change us, and then to begin living this out. And it is, it's, a, it's a, a process. It's not going to happen instantly. Uh, it's something we need to work at day by day. So we shouldn't be like the rich young ruler who thought the cost was too high, because it's not. Um, the call to sell everything and follow Jesus is, is, a, is a high cost, um, but it's not too high. Um, it's something we're called to do every day, to give up, give up the things in this life, um, to, to cast off things that are distracting us from our walk, um, and to use everything that God has given us for his glory. So Matthew 13:44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. So the point one, we've looked at what being perfect is. Point two, how Jesus applied this in the three examples, and then how do we become perfect? You know, how does this apply to our life? So there are things that we need to do, things that we need to take seriously. Um, there is there's, uh, a lot of good instruction in these chapters that we're looking at, and we do need to think how we're going to apply this to our lives. But this um, has to come from a changed heart. We're not perfect, and we won't ever be sinless in this life. But we can be free from the consequences of sin if we put our trust in Jesus, and we can have innocent hands, and we can have sincere heart through walking, through walking with Jesus. And this is the kind of perfection which uh, is, is being spoken about, and this can be attained through uh, a close walk with Christ. So I, I hope that you are all um, encouraged. It's, I, I find it very easy to read uh, these kind of, of verses and, and just feel that I need to do more. But just trying to do more isn't going to change anything. We need, to, we need to come to Christ. We need to, um, we need to worship him. We need to love him. And we need to rely on him to, to change us. Um, by beholding his glory, we will be changed. Amen.